So it's Thanksgiving. Do you like Thanksgiving? Anybody here? Do lots of you have your family here visiting? Some of you? Is everybody dead this morning? Hello, anybody around? Lord Jesus, I pray that you raise the dead and open up the eyes. We're going to talk about uh, what's our theme. Do you know what the theme is? Have any of you been awake for the last few weeks? What's the theme? Sarah's a clue. She still don't know what the theme is. She, bo- she did this picture of when the leaders were at Thetis Island and it was a, of a boat and we, you, the leaders talked about things they wanted in the boat. The boat is Jericho Road and what they didn't want in the boat, things that are damaging to building community. That's the theme. It's been the theme for the last four weeks. The boat. Row, 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 row your boat. So Good to know you're tracking with me. And one of the things they said was unity. And, if, and you will notice that all those uh, rowers have their, ro- their oars all neatly in line. Because it's really difficult to row when one's rowing one way and the other's rowing the other way and somebody's just folding their arms saying, row away, I'm not going. You, m- you probably have discovered that most things in life and most things that are positive and most things that you believe in are not always easy to live out. Most people, I mean, most people leave church at some point if they ever get to church and they get to, uh, you know, going to church on a Sunday is the most ridiculous thing in the world. That's like saying, I go home once a week for two hours and I call it home. And you go, well, it's not home if you're only there for two hours. And church is not meant to be a place you visit. It's meant to be a community that you're part of. Hence the boat with people rowing. It's meant to be a place that you belong to and those testimonies were so great. Thank you for those who came up. Because all those testimonies talked about community. And one of the things that I think is the greatest value of having church and being a community is that we get to do together what we can't do on our own. That on our own, uh, it's hard to support things beyond what our time allows, but together we can share that support and accomplish way more. There's a phrase, and I'm going to link unity with uh, the harvest and, and Thanksgiving. So, Lot, you know, God, I believe, gives us this whole world to live in and gives us um, the earth and the rain and everything else. Um, they're all symbols of the supernatural. They're principles that go through the earth that are, are very similar in the whole area of the supernatural. We get very complicated. Uh, we get extraordinarily complicated in trying to work things out, but they're almost as simple as Jesus saying, don't worry because the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, they... Um, they, they have things provided for them and I will provide for you. But it's hard for us to learn how to trust that kind of thing. And so it's helpful in community to be able to walk with people who have um, who've gone before us, who have learned how to trust when we don't trust yet. We have all kinds of uh, discussions in this church about trust and faith, usually when it's about money. But, uh, you know, we can't have what we don't pay for and God says, I'll pay for what you actually believe for and we're on all kinds of spectrums as to what we actually can handle. Um, a lot of what God says, and I talked about faith a few weeks ago, you don't need faith when you've provided for. You don't need faith when you've, you've got money in the bank. You don't need faith for money. You've got it. You don't need faith for healing if you're not sick. Faith really kicks in when you don't have what you're crying out for. 
and we're learning how to live from a place where my circumstances and what is, is mine right now is not necessarily enough for what I anticipate in the future. And at that point, faith is not gritting my teeth and believing. Faith is actually saying, who is God for me? Because if you know faithful friends and they say, don't worry, we'll be with you, you kind of can relax and go, you know what, if I really get into a bind, so and so will be with me. That's who God is. God is knowing the presence of God in the midst of all kinds of circumstances because we're learning individually and as a church, if you're trying to find your happiness, your peace and your fulfillment through your circumstances, good luck. There's only so much money you can spend escaping on holiday, smoking weed, taking drugs, escaping your present reality so that you can feel peace. The message of Christianity at its very core is peace I give you, not as the world gives. So, you reap what you sow. What you invest in is what grows. You also reap what you don't sow. And that's what we're going to talk about. None of this stuff here just happened. Let's take an easy fruit, apples. I'm a self-made apple. It doesn't exist. How does this apple grow into being? How does this apple come into being? As simple as an apple is, is as simple as how to live a life that is full of peace and victory. Make you go cool. Blimey. How does the apple start? It starts as a seed. Where does the seed come from? The seed comes from another fruit. So, first lesson, I didn't just conjure up myself. So you can look at the person next and say, whew, you're not self-made. Somebody was involved. First lesson, you don't come from nowhere. Second lesson, you had no decision about your existence. You came into being. What happens with a seed when it is uh, planted? It has to be planted, of course. I've done illustrations with you before of seeds and packets and said the seed has been in this packet forever. Nothing's happened to it. It had to be planted. And as it was planted, it began to grow. And as it grows, what happens? How does it grow? It's placed in the soil and it stays in the soil and there are nutrients in the soil that help it grow and then there's sunshine that comes and then there's rain that comes and it's so it begins to grow. It cannot grow without sunshine and it cannot grow without rain. Neither can you or neither can I. There is much about our lives that is dependent upon other things and our, our culture and our tendencies are to become so self-absorbed that we start saying it's, it's, it's all me. And God gives the rain and he gives the sun and he's very reliable on that because it rains on the wicked and, the, and the, those who love him, those who don't love him. He rains on them. Why? Because he adores every human being. So he will let his sun shine on the most wicked person because his love for him is the same as for you. He doesn't have favorites. He just has lost children and found children. Lost children live as if he doesn't exist. Or if they... Or lost children, when you mention God, as we heard from Jason, assume that he's bad, he's negative, he's wicked, he's actually done these things to cause me to be in this place. So lost children have a very distorted vision of God or no vision of God, which takes faith. And God's not particularly perturbed by that in the sense of, bless you, um, more Lord, cast out another spirit in the name of Jesus. <laughs> She's just doing that because I called her Adelphine this morning. 
Um, so so God, God reigns on all of us because his love is unconditional. The fact that we are blind to it is irrelative, is immaterial. His love is such that everyone in the universe is his creation. And so he won't stop reigning and letting the sun shine as long as there's life on earth. Because without rain, very soon, what happens? I'm starting to say, these things aren't growing, the food is dying, things are dying, there's no water. What is water? In the scriptures, water is the spirit. So what we're thinking about this morning is this whole thing of unity. What's the, what strikes you about that uh, table? I mean, if Marianne had put a couple of apples on there, so we're just giving a symbol of thanks to God, it would be a little downer, wouldn't it? It would be kind of, really? It's the best you could do? I mean, with all the things that you could put in there, you just put a couple of apples. You're losing it. You used to do it really nicely. But we sort of, thanks, Marianne. Very nice. Then. Maybe we can get some help next year. But instead, Marianne is a woman of abundance. And so there's all kinds of variety. And what's the thing about that? That does not look like it's all in conflict. It looks like it's all complementary. Because it's all stuff, most of it, that you can eat. But it's, it's all a variety of things that you can eat that have grown in the garden or been made, whatever. And so in the variety, there's wonderful unity. It's a beautiful picture. Which is what we're meant to be like. We're not meant to be the same. You can be a banana to, you know, as long as you like. We don't have to be this. Unity is not about uniformity. It's about allowing an expression of things in a whole variety of ways. But the principles are the same because what happens with this apple? It starts growing and it grows for a few years into a tree. And in that tree, what happens? Well, there's winter, summer, winter, spring and fall, the song, you know. Who wrote that song? Winter, spring, summer or fall. All you got to do is call. No, Yeah, it was James Taylor. That's right. Good last name. Yeah. All right. There you go, Bill. <laughs> so, what happens in summer? Things blossom. What happens in spring? Things bud. What happens in fall? The leaves fall off and it becomes totally naked. And what happens in the winter is nothing seems to be happening. And yet all of it is part of producing this. I'm not being complicated today. You know all this stuff. So, spring comes and the, and the, and the leaves start budding and then the, the, the apple blossoms. How many of you pick apple blossoms and put them on your kitchen table and say, look, lovely apple blossoms. The reason for the apple tree is the blossoms. We're just going to pick them when they blossom. I wonder why the apple tree doesn't have any fruit. Well, honey, if we stop picking the blossoms, we might get the fruit. Because the blossoms attract the bees that pollinate the, the flower and out of that comes the fruit. Spiritual life and growth is very much like that. There's seasons and sometimes we mistake the blossoms for the real thing. Sometimes we don't realize that there's rain that falls. There's just before the spring or just about this time of the year, maybe in the next month, what happens? The gardeners come out and they stop pruning. The sap is meant to not be flowing and you're meant to prune. Why do you prune? To actually get more vibrancy in the plant. 
People who say, I don't need church, I'm just going to follow Jesus on my own. And there are a lot of them right now. There are many, many people. Because they've all got very good reasons. They've been offended. I came to church, I don't like the way they do stuff. And they're all really good reasons, but none of them are valid. Because if you follow Jesus and we talk, you talk to him about that, he says, well, you know what, if that was the case, I wouldn't have come for you. Because you've been pretty offensive. But I didn't realize. And he said, all the people that you're offended by didn't realize either. So suck it up and deal with it. Get back in there. But have you ever seen an apple that's on a tree on its own? Spiritual truth is in creation everywhere. One leaf on a tree? No. One church with one member? No. Go and be part of a tree for God's sake. Go and be part of something and stop protesting. But you don't understand. I do understand. But the key to your growth is enduring the seasons. Sometimes it's winter, sometimes it's fall, sometimes it's pruning, sometimes it's blossoms, sometimes it's fruit. It's not complicated. If you just listen to what's going on, and the, Paul says, you're, you're, you and I, we are fields into which God harvests and plants. For some people, there's seeds growing right now. For some, there's pruning going on. For some, there's blossoms coming out. There's new life. For others, there's a harvest. There's fruit. Some are still in the bag trying to work out should I be planted or not. And the thing about looking for unity is just actually allowing a place to be where God is doing his work amongst different people at different paces. The thing that brings us together is that we come together because we recognize that we need sun, we need rain, we need soil, and we need one another. Now let's get to my notes. So in that picture that Sarah painted, you wanted to throw discord out and you wanted to put unity in. And discord is when you just actually start invalidating what other people are about. Um, And I'm really wanting to be real simple the way to stop discord is to to have acceptance to a large measure and just not overreact to one another the way to you never get if you if you have uniformity it's boring it's easy you can just discipline everything but if you want to see real life happen you've got to allow for variety and you've got to allow for people to be acting out you've got to allow for um, you've got to allow for things to be disappointing. You've got to allow for people to be disappointing. You've got to allow for somebody to be in a different season that could even be offensive. I mean, Jesus talked about the, you know the sower sowing his seed, and he said, "Let the weeds grow." Have you ever, ever does anybody ever plant weeds? Go to the store in Buckerfield or somewhere, and you go and say, "I'd like some weeds, please." They look at you. What? Where's your section? I'm, I'm looking for weeds. Excuse me? Do you plant weeds? But it's amazing. Weeds grow everywhere. You don't have to do a thing and weeds grow. And the thing I hate about weeds is uh, I've got that, I don't know what they're called, that's a very thin stem, but it just circles around anything that's growing. Why? Because the thing about a weed, it doesn't have a backbone. It feeds off the life of something else that is growing. So I love ripping those things out. But they keep coming back. In your life, if you're passive and you say, oh God, I just pray that there won't be any weeds. Well, go and do that in your garden. Lord, I just pray there won't be any weeds. 
See how it works. He calls us co-laborers for a reason. That we have to enter into life. We've got to get our hands dirty in the soil. We have to actually engage. Some of us here probably haven't been weeded for a long time. If you do nothing, you will harvest weeds. So the key to growth and to see something change is to be intentional about what you want to see grow. If you want to see apples grow, it's not much point saying, Lord, I just pray for apples. I pray for an abundant harvest of apples in my, in my garden. I bless you, Lord, that you're a good giver. You're the Lord of the harvest. I pray for apples to grow. So somebody sees you praying and you do it every day in the sun and the rain. You're praying for apples to grow and they say, how's it going? can't see any apples. Well, did you plant any? No, but I prayed. And they probably look at you and say, I, you, you, need, you need help. You're nuts. How on earth do you expect apples to grow if you don't plant apples? You just pray for them. Well, God said, ask and you will receive. He said some other things too, but you're nuts. You won't see in your life things happen if you don't actually invest in them. Some of us look so bewildered, you know, in terms of, I wonder why, and you go, it's not difficult. What are you planting? What are you nurturing? What are you paying attention to? And no, you can't look wide-eyed and innocent and passive and think it's going to pass as something. It's not. It's stupid. And some of the quietest, calmest, nicest people are the most stubborn, rebellious, and opinionated on the face of this earth. Have you found that out? At least you know what I'm thinking. I tell you. This is meant to be encouraging today. <laughs> are you encouraged yet? You see, it's meant to be empowering. The part that is negative is I've, I've got to do something. And the thing that really sucks is God's not going to mow my lawn. I mean, if you want lawn, take care of it. If you want apples, plant them and harvest them and nurture them. So the good news and the invitation is you can do it. We can do it. What does Paul say in Ephesians? As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Just very quickly, I say this every time. I love it about Paul. It's one of the most amazing truths and I just love saying it every time, which is this Paul is a prisoner and yet he's free. His circumstances are imprisoning, but his spirit is free. And so he is as a prisoner and what he's saying is, you know what? In this jail, in this, in this place of incredible restriction, I am incredibly free and it irritates the Romans no end. And ultimately we saw that probably, probably the best example in our generations is the Nelson Mandela. I've been to Robben Island in Cape Town where his cell is and it's tiny but his spirit was defiant. And God's call is to call up a people who cannot be killed, cannot be actually given a... They cannot experience drought and I'll come back to that in a minute. Because believe it or not, I do know what I'm trying to say. Um, but Paul, as a prisoner, he's praying for these guys and he's speaking to them and declaring them. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So, it's easy to read. It sounds quite nice and probably make a good song. So he says, be completely humble and gentle and patient. Well, that's th those are three fruits right there. How are you going to be humble? 
How's humble going for you? How's humility growing? Is it like this? Is it growing as a fruit? If somebody said uh, your name, that's one of the most humble people I know. I mean, you, it's not difficult to, you know, can you, can you tell what this fruit is? If I hold it up, do you kind of go, no, it's a banana. I know there's an advert on TV saying this is an apple. It is not a banana because they're talking about fake news and, you know, all that stuff. Won't go down that road. Is this clear that this is an apple? So, in the kingdom of God and in this world in which we live, humility should be just as clear. We should be able to look around and say, that person is so humble. Why would, what would, what, how would you recognize humility? Help me here. I mean, that's a serious question. That's not a rhetorical question. How would you recognize humility? Serving? Putting others first? Willing to listen? Not taking credit? It didn't take long to get those out. Are you humble? The Lord says, taste and see. In other words, get close to somebody and taste and see what's in them. I don't believe I have the gift of humility. And God says, in my garden, humility is always right front and center. I love humility. I grow humility. I eat humility. I make humility. I love humility. So if you follow Jesus, humility is there because he loves humility. So plant humility. How do you plant humility? You start by recognizing it's missing. What's the weed that covers up humility? Pride. What's pride? This is simple. I told you, the kindergarten. This is kindergarten stuff. This is easy stuff. What is pride? Arrogance. is everything humility isn't. I at the center, self-serving. Me, me, me. So can you recognize pride? Is it difficult? You have to pray, Lord, show me pride, please, because I find it hard to see. It's not difficult. If it's difficult, ask somebody else, do you see pride in me? Yep. What? There you go. Told you. What's in us bumps out and jumps out very quickly. So, if you're going to foster humility, you've got to start weeding out pride. So you start saying, Lord, show me where I'm proud. Well, you don't let anybody talk to you. You don't let anybody in on your life. You, you don't let anybody near you. You're quite judgmental about everybody else. You're quite, you're quite critical. They think you're sweet because you smile. You never ask for help. You never ask questions. You keep everybody at a distance. You pretend to be humble, but you're really just private. Ask the Lord. Say to him, Lord, I want to see humility grow in me. I want people to go, that's a very humble person. And I don't want to be proud of my humility because that gets really complicated. What about patience? I mean, we can go through all of them like this. Patience. Are you patient? Would people call you patient? I'm the most patient person I know. When are you finishing this sermon? I've got to go now. Are you patient? How are you when you're driving? Do you get impatient with people on the road? You see, we, 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 are, we are actually really cool in the abstract. I love everybody. I always love it when all these politicians say, I love everybody. And you go, you don't know anybody here. If I want to know whether you love everybody, I'd start with your children. Or your wife, or your husband, or somebody who's close to you. So, where are you going to grow patience? 
I left my last church because they were so disorganized and I just couldn't tolerate And he said, you idiot. You left the very place where you were going to grow the thing that you were asking me to grow. What do you mean? Well, in the midst of impatience, I'm going to teach you patience. I was irritated. Yeah, I, I know. That's a weed. You following this? It's not difficult. You, what is unity? Unity is letting it all happen. We weed some, we grow some, we encourage some, we prune some, we cut some out, we harvest some. It's all there. It's all a mess. We just garden all the time. And what, should I tell you something else that's really confusing for you and me? Smile and tell somebody you're liking this really a lot because maybe you're not. But you know what the, what the tricky part is? Is that we're not a one fruit garden. So there's all kinds of stuff growing in you. There's weeds and there's good stuff and there's mediocre stuff. And that's what's so confusing. Because we get so, we get so sort of one-dimensional that we just focus on one thing. Lord, I want to worship. And then we identify worship as singing songs and we just have lots of songs in iTunes and we sing them and then we think we're worshipping these. It's, no, you're just getting emotionally carried away by the music. Because as soon as you come out of that, you act real bad. And I need to get back into worship. And he says, worship is here and it's here. Worship is everywhere. If you want to sing beautifully here, act really nicely over here. If you want to worship, let me love you. Hi, let's have a change of pace. Let's have that video that please these are these guys that were here last week. They came back this week. So the power of that is that last section, isn't it? Which is, it's easy to quote scripture, it's easy to get engaged in things and actually miss it. So the seed was planted when he heard Peter. There are many of us that live so superficially because we don't let it go deep. We think knowing about something is it, is something. It's not. The evidence is in the fruit. And you don't get fruit without planting and nurturing and pruning and harvesting. You can fake it, but it's not compelling. And God's looking for Christians with compelling harvests. And you can't get there overnight. You can't get there on your own. You can only get there in the context of community. You can only get there in the context of the cut and thrust of life, the disappointments of life, the despair of life, and the finding God in the midst of the places you never thought he was even present. When you're growing up, when we're becoming mature, we're becoming mature when we stop blaming God for everything and we stop blaming other people for everything and we start actually taking responsibility for ourselves and start saying, Lord, what are you showing me about me? Not to become obsessed with me, but I'm humble, and I recognize that I'm a work in progress. So I want to give you time to work in me so that you can work through me. Lots of people want the fruit without the planting. And so they look for the cheaper reproductions the world offers. And they always, always, always get hurt. 
and they always, always eventually get washed up and say, what happened? And it's easy, you just took the easy way out. And so Paul says, you know, he says to, in almost all his letters, but in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, he says, remember who you were. I mean, it's like saying, remember you were once a seed. Don't let your fruitfulness or lack thereof define you, but remember who you were and what God did and what he's doing. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. We preach Christ crucified. He comes to verse 26 and he says, Brothers and sisters, think of, you, of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It's basically going, how do you recognize somebody who's a good gardener? You recognize by the fruit, the flowers in their garden. How, how will people know that God is good? By the fruit of those who say they trust him and believe in him. For many people, they, don't, they are not in the church and they're not Christian because all they've tasted are weeds. They've been sold something that is less than what was advertised. And instead of criticizing and blaming other people, our mission should be, I want to be the tastiest piece of fruit you've ever met that says yes to Jesus. When you meet me, I want you to experience patience like you've never seen before. When you meet me, I want you to, to, to experience generosity, unconditional love, total acceptance. Not a doormat, not no questions. I want to accept a confidence and a hope that I haven't met before. In Ezekiel, there's an amazing vision as I was preparing this or reflecting on it, I was thinking of, you know, everything that grows has its roots in the earth. But everything that the roots are dependent upon come from the sky. The sun and the rain and the light and the dark. And I think there's a supernatural element to that. that we are planted firmly on this ground, but the supernatural of God is the air. And if you want to see things grow, you've got to be in both dimensions at the same time. In this world, but not of this world. You don't get your sustenance only from this world, the earth. You get it from heaven. So you get it from the extraordinary love of God as was portrayed to Peter. Peter, do you love me? And the reason I'm here is because you didn't love me or you were afraid and I have come after you and that is who God is. He comes after you. He will never, never stop coming after you. He will irritate you till you die. He will, he will, he will, he will it, one writer calls it the, the hound of heaven. He will be after you relentlessly because of his love. And he'll be after you relentlessly in a variety of ways. You see, for me, the, the thing is not just getting people to know Jesus. It's also how do we follow Jesus. Knowing Jesus is like being conceived. It's not that difficult. In fact, it's quite fun. Growing up is the challenge. 
And in Ezekiel, it's in the Old Testament, he was a prophet and he spoke about uh, having a vision of a river that flowed from the altar down from the temple. And wherever that river flowed, it got deeper and deeper. And wherever it flowed, there were trees flo- uh, growing on its water bank, on, on the banks of the river, and they bore fruit of healing in their, in, in, in their leaves every season. And I think there's a picture there. There's a picture of God in us where he says to us, you know, I am always working, always flowing. And there, there is always a harvest going on in you. There's always a season of spring. There's always a season of pruning. There's always a season of death, if you will, of winter. And those are always going on concurrently in you in different areas. What you want to do is learn what God's doing at this particular time. And if you want to have life, then pay attention to what's being harvested now. And let the other stuff wait. There is a time for other things. Sometimes we're sitting there at the dead tree of winter saying, Lord, let there be a harvest. And he's saying, why don't you just leave that with me? You focus on this one. And that's how you will have life throughout the year. But if you're only focused on one dimension, you'll be disappointed for a lot of the time. Because you'll be trying to get something to grow that it's not its time to grow. Does that make sense? And the things you want to see grow are the things you don't yet have. God's not that interested in being a one-trick pony in our lives. He's not that interested in just giving us one dimension. He's interested in all of us, the whole of us being a place where he harvests. So look at the things that are your greatest struggle right now and you might find he's actually planting things right around that struggle saying, I'm, I'm going to teach you something out of this. So start saying, what are you going to teach me? So if man, Say you're totally frustrated. So he says, I'm planting acceptance and peace around there. So start focusing on what's accepting and peace. Start focusing on acceptance and peace, not upon the frustration. Because the frustration will just kill you. It's like a weed. It just grows up and strangles you and you suddenly find you're obsessing on this thing. I mean, there are a lot of people here that are very frustrating. You know that? I mean, we're all very frustrating. We're all very disappointing. We've got our issues. If we allow those things to grow up and affect our relationships to the degree we, we get offended, we just don't have any relationships. So guess who's won? The weeds have won. So instead we nurture peace and acceptance and we, we carry on doing other things and we give each other space and trust God with the whole process. That's what harvesting is about and that's what unity is about. I just want to finish with that uh, you see, all of Paul's writing and is about how to do this stuff together and he's, he's always saying make every effort, which is irritating because he doesn't say God's just going to do it while we're sleeping. But I just end with this Colossians 3 verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So all of this unity is entirely dependent on the choices we make and the postures we take. Let's stand.